Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Fantastic. Well, we're going to get into the Word today. I heard last week Harrison, if you weren't here, uh, was a great preacher, great speaker. Um, and then I decided to do a video, uh, a video sermon on sexual purity. And so I, it was kind of funny. Someone's like, yeah, it's funny how you uh, preach about sexual purity on video and you're not even present in the room. Uh, but uh, if you didn't get a chance to hear that message, I want to strongly encourage you. If you say, Ryan, I don't deal with sexual impurity. You're a liar, but it's okay. Uh, if you, I don't deal with sexual impurity. I don't deal with that sexual thing going on. Like, it's not really my nature. Hey, listen, you need to go listen to that message online. I actually put them all up last night because I've been out of town. All of the messages are current online. Also, we do have a live stream. It's slightly ghetto, but it is what it is. You can go to our uh, live.lovecitychurch.ca and you can watch this live stream. You say, I'm going to stay home next week instead of coming to church. Don't do that. Jesus doesn't like that. Just kidding for those of you watching right now. But um, yeah, so go ahead and not, go online, listen to all that stuff, and I promise you, you're going to be encouraged by Harrison's word, by that word in, uh, on, on sexual purity and sexual sin in our life, and, and, uh, and then this week, we're going to be talking about what happens when you feel like you've been forgotten. What happens when you feel like you've been on the journey of life, you've got kind of a clearer picture of what God wants for you, you're heading down the journey, you're heading down uh, the direction towards God's dream, and you come to a place where you just feel like, man, I feel like I've been forgotten. I feel like, gosh, I just don't understand why I'm in the place I'm at. I feel like I want to fulfill this dream, but I feel like God's kind of forgotten about me here. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today, and I'm going to give you some real practical things you can do. Uh, along with uh, some other thoughts on how to just kind of navigate that season. And so, you know, it's really important for us to understand as we start that God does have a dream for every single person in this room. You know, a lot of times whenever you're a part of the church environment, maybe you've been part of church for a while, you, you often think that maybe there's, uh, there's pe- certain people who get a prophetic word. I'll define what that means for those of you in the room who say, I don't know what that means. I'll get there in a minute, so just hang with me. But the idea of a, a, that person received a word from God for their life, and that person has real direction, and why is it that I don't have direction for my life? I want you to know today that God actually has a prophetic word or a dream for every single person in the room today. Every single follower of Jesus Christ, every single person on this planet God actually has a dream specifically for you. Not just a general idea for you to follow him and share your faith and live for God. That's good. But a specific prophetic dream God has for each and every person in the room today. And I want you to hear that today because I would like to believe there's some people in the room who think, man, that's not really my case. I don't have a dream. I don't have a prophetic word from God. I don't really, God doesn't really have a plan for my life. Maybe for that guy because he's doing this or that girl because she acts like that or that person because on social media they look so perfect and all their perfect hair and perfect car. No, I'm just kidding. And all these different people have all these great things, but not me. I want you to know today, God has a dream and a prophetic call for your life. And I want to talk to you today about how we can begin to figure those things out and identify uh, when we're in a season where we feel like there is nothing for us. How do we come back to the place where we're pursuing the prophetic dream that God has for our journey in our life? And so we're going to read a longer scripture today just to give you context. Um, And so you guys like to read the Bible. It's okay. Uh, But it's just a portion of scripture I wanted to read instead of telling you the story. I thought that I would just read it together so I don't uh, embellish the story. Stephanie. 
She says, I embellish too much. So, yeah. Genesis 40. And all of you are like, you do. <laughs> so I'm just praying that Jesus will help me not make up stories, okay? And I'm going to be doing good at my math today, too. Genesis 40, verses 3 to 23. It's on the screen. You can read it in your Bible. I honestly don't even know what translation this is, but I know it's a Christian one. That's what I know. I think it's ESV or NIV, one of the two. Uh, Genesis, I just forgot to write down what it was. Anyways, here we go. While they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer, and this is a little hot, I think, a uh, little bit of things. We, while they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. And when Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today? He asked them. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one could tell us what they mean. Interpreting, dream, inter interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dream. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me, and the vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom. And as soon as it produced clusters of ripe grapes, I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand. So I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup. Then I placed a cup in the Pharaoh's hand. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represents three days. And within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as his chief cupbearer. And please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison and I did nothing to deserve it. This is when the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation. He said to himself, I had a dream too. In my dream, there were, two, there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. Mmm, delicious. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh. I bet they were the best. But the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. This is what the dream means, Joseph told him. The three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. <clears throat> Not embellishing that, folks. Then birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Yeah. Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, and he prepared a banquet for his officials and staff, and he summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officials, and he restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Maybe you're here today and you're in that place where you're like, Ryan, I'm serving God. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to church. I'm getting along with my wife, my, my husband, or I'm having good relationships. You know, I'm working really hard to be a person of righteousness. I'm not making any shady deals. I'm not overspending. I'm not overdrinking. I'm not overeating. I'm not overindulging. I'm just being a good person. And I had this word from God for my life, this dream for my life that there's something great. God's called me to be an amazing mom and we just can't seem to have children. Or God's called me to have that promotion and that job and I know that I'm going to be the president of this company or going to build this successful company. God put that in my heart and I see it and I can feel, man, I want to be in ministry and I want to go across the world and build a large church or be a missionary and go here, do that. I know it's in my heart, but why do I feel like I'm in a prison and God isn't even remembering I'm here. Maybe you're just like Joseph where he was thrown into a pit for no reason. 
sold into slavery for no reason, sold to Potiphar's house, accused of rape by Potiphar's wife, thrown into jail for no reason. Now he sits at the bottom of a cellar, looking around. Now he happened to have great authority and favor in that season. But he's thinking to himself, man, I want to be there when I'm here. Please don't forget about me. Please don't forget about where I'm at. Please don't forget about the journey I'm on. It's easy for us to get into a place in our journey with God where we focus on the dream that God has for our life and we're in the season we're in now, but our minds are there when really we're here and that is very frustrating. Maybe you're here today and you've never been there before, but I want you to know a day will come and maybe you're here today and you say, I have been there, I know what you're talking about. Amen, Ryan. Today I want to talk to you a little bit about behind the scenes. And Ryan, of course, the phone just went cut. So I need you to follow me, my friend. Thank you, my friend. You're going to preach with me today. I want to give you a little bit of behind the scenes scripture that I found very interesting in Psalms chapter uh, 105. It'll be on the screen behind me in verse 17. It said, God decreed a famine upon Canaan land, cutting off their food supply. But he had already sent a man ahead of his people to Egypt. It was Joseph who was sold as a slave. His feet were bruised by strong shackles and his soul was held by iron. God's promise to Joseph purged his character until it was time for his dreams to come true. So here is kind of a prophetic picture from another author looking at Joseph's story, saying all this is happening. This prison he's been thrown in, this journey he's on, all of these questions, all of these unknowns, all of these situations where I don't know the outcome. I know in my heart what I see. I know in my heart what I feel. I know what God's called me to. I think I have an idea of where I'm headed, but I feel like I'm kind of stuck and I feel almost like God isn't with me. You're in that situation and here over here this author is looking at the situation from a bird's eye view saying I see a clearer picture of what's really going on it says that God had a dream to send Joseph ahead of the famine but meanwhile until the promise of God was fulfilled God's word tested Joseph now this is Somewhat of a challenging thought. In fact, the next slide in the ESV kind of articulates it a little bit better. On the screen, it says this. Until what he had said came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Here, in this word, in this phrase, there's actually two Hebrew words that actually are the same word. The, the phrase here, what he had said, that's it. What he said, his word, God's promise, is the Hebrew word dubar. That word is actually used many times. It's a word commonly used something spoken. So this is a word about a prophetic word. It's a dream. It's something spoken out of the mouth of God. And so he says that God's promises or what God speaks, something spoken. The second word for word is the word, the word of the Lord. Hebrew word referring to the Torah, which means the literal word of God. And so we have two usages of the same word, but it's a different word. And so if you look at that again in Psalms 105, 19, on the next slide, I believe, is it there? There you go. God's promise, his dream to Joseph purged him. So God's spoken word, God's prophetic word, God's dream, God's destiny, God's future was testing Joseph's character. But until it came to pass, until it was fulfilled, 
God gave him the word to daily work on the areas of his life to prepare him for the person that he needed to be for the day when he would stand in the palace and be ruler over all, ruler over all of Egypt. Two usages of the word in the scripture. And we see very clearly here that these two words are the prophetic word and the written word. So here's what it's saying. Until the time that his prophetic word came to pass, the literal word of God tested him. Now, we don't like this very much in this season because we don't like the idea that I'm being tested in this season. So if you're here today and you're saying, Ryan, I'm in the season you're talking about, I want you to know today that it's all a part of the journey of God. Exactly where you are are right now is exactly where God wants you. You need to hear that today. This is exactly where God wants you on your journey. You think, well, Ryan, is it because I'm a sinner? Is it because I made bad decisions? Is it because I'm not a good person? Is it because I screwed up? Is it because I just became a new Christian and I was an unbeliever for so long? Why am I in this season? Don't worry. Every single follower of Jesus Christ goes through this season to get to their prophetic word because the person that you need to become, you are not right now. And for you to be able to hold the enormity and the reality of what God has called for your life, he needs to work some character into your heart and into your mind. He needs to get you ready to be the person that's going to be able to fulfill that prophetic word. That's why I encourage you, just yield to the testing of God's word. When God's word speaks to you, just yield to it. A couple of months ago, Actually, in studying for this series, the very first sermon we did in Joseph talked about the idea. I'm just going to be really candid and honest with you if I can. Uh, talked about the idea of Joseph, and I talked about three things that Joseph God was working on, working on his, uh, his motivation, doing it for the right reason, his humility, uh, making sure that he did not have pride in his heart, and identity, making sure that his source was not the future dream, but his source was Jesus. And so uh, as I studied that, I realized, oh my gosh, as I began to read the scripture and study, the Lord began to test me and show me that one of the reasons that, that, that maybe there's been some struggle maybe in the church or struggle in leadership or struggle in different things isn't because people are bad. It's because God is actually testing my character as the leader of this church and getting us ready for where God wants to take us. I actually recognized three months ago, oh my gosh, that's sin in my life. Not like sin that I should be taken out of ministry for, but sin in my life that, oh my gosh, there's wickedness in my heart. There's pride there. There's some, I need some humility and uh, my, my source needs to be in Jesus and not this church. And I began to realize that there was things in me. And so my prophetic word of, of God seeing an incredible thing with this church fulfilled down the road, God is preparing us back here with his written word to make sure that you can handle the great things God has in store for your life. But you have to be willing to let the Bible test you. you got to be willing to let it test your heart. See, God, God's uh, prophetic word, it tests our faith. You're going to have faith to believe that that prophetic word is going to happen. But he, God text, tests our character with his word. And so his word is working on our character. The prophetic word is working on our faith. And so all of this happens in our lives so that you and I can begin to journey closer to closer, closer to what God has called us to do in our future destiny. 
So what God's spoken over you is truly exciting. I bet I could go around the room today and say, hey, have you ever had a dream from God, a prophetic word from God, a thought from God? And some of you would say, Ryan, no, I haven't. I don't know what you're talking about. Some of you would say, yes, I have. I have had that in my life. I want you to know today, again, there is something great in store for you. Successful businesses, fruitful relationships, marriage, children, ministry, future, good, prosperity, blessing. That's what God wants for you. That's what a good father wants for his children. God wants that for you. And not just generally, specifically catered to how you were wired, how you were created, specifically a dream and a prophetic word for you. So don't think that it's just for me. It's for you too. That means you need to start asking, okay, Lord, what is this dream? Lord, what is this prophetic word? Lord, what is this thing for my life? You need to ask God because God will begin to reveal it to you. But just know, if you want to go on the journey to be who God's called you to be, you've got to be willing to go through the journey of going through the process of letting the word of God test your character. We see that I found myself in this place many times and there's three things that I've had to do in my journey. Our church has had prophetic words. In fact, this last week we had a prophetic word. Pastor Dave Patterson, pastor church of about 9,500 9, people. He's my pastor and the pastor kind of our church, network pastor, spoke a prophetic word over Stephanie and said, Ryan, you have a dream in your heart for, for a large church. He says, don't be shy any longer to share that with the church. It is not too big for God. Show me a picture, thousands of people coming to Jesus Christ through Love City Church. Thousands of people being educated in schools and foster care programs and youth ministry and a children's ministry and a band. James did an incredible job. Worship was awesome today. Band just experiencing the presence of Jesus Christ and preaching the gospel and people raising their hands during our Sunday gatherings to accept Jesus Christ and being water baptized. And we're just saying, oh my gosh, what are we going to do with all these people? What are we going to do with all these people? That's what God's putting in my heart. But we can't go there until we're willing to say, all right, Lord, (laughs) test me in your word. Do what you got to do in us to get us to where you called us to be. So I'm in the same shoes you're in today, wanting to see this in my life, and I know it sucks. <laughs> it's not fun. But the rewards bear fruit of joy, peace, grace. No more straying. Patience. Realization that why do you work your worried little fingers to the bone when God is so in it? He's a part of it. He's leading it. He's guiding you. But we can't expect God to fulfill his prophetic word if we aren't willing to become the person he wants us to be to fulfill that word. So I want to give you three things when you're in this season. What to do when you're in this situation. What to do when you are in this season of life. The first one is this. When you feel forgotten, submit your word to God. When you, sorry, a couple back, Ryan. A little ahead of me there, bud. When you feel forgotten, submit your word to God. It's important that you go back to the purpose when you first started your journey, when God gave you that word, when God gave you that dream, that you go back to the original purpose of the dream. It's important that you remember that it's not just about the fulfillment of that dream. 
It's not just about you building that great company or you being that successful mom. That's not only the objective. That is a large part of it. The main objective of the prophetic word that God gave for your life is to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, no matter if you fulfill it or not, that is what God is looking for. He wants you to have a relationship with him. And so you need to submit your word, your prophetic thought, your spiritual gift, the things God's called you to do. You need to submit that back to God and make sure it's not about what you're going to do for God, but it's about who you are in Christ. You got to go back to the place when you started. Because it's not just about your success. It's not just about your fulfillment. Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter, uh, chapter 3, I believe it is. Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 to 9. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ our Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything. In the, in the Greek, I don't want to offend you. In the Greek, that word is rubbish. rubbish. It's actually the, the Greek word for our curse word for manure. The exact definition, the articulation of that word is the bad word that my kids can't say, but sometimes farmers put it in their water and they put it out of sprinklers. <laughs> yeah. Some of you are like, what is he talking about? I'll tell you later. <laughs> He says, I discarded everything else as garbage, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Paul says, listen, when all of my life and everything that I'm doing and all of my ministry, Paul started the local church on Simulville, expanded it to across the regions and was the apostle that expanded the kingdom of God, expanded the church like, like no one else did in the Bible. This guy was a successful ministry, said, listen, I take all the things that God's called me to do and I completely discard them first. Those things are important, but next to knowing Jesus, Jesus Christ. Those things are just selfish endeavors. And so you've got to come back to the place where you're submitting this prophetic word, submitting your dreams, submitting your dreams, your agendas, your future to God and making sure that it is about him first. But Paul goes on, so that actually leads to you having a passion towards what God's called you to do. If you continue in the verse, verse 12, in the, uh, the Passion Bible, it says, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. So Paul says, first, you've got to come back to the place where you submit this dream to God. And when you do that, God will naturally give you a passion to pursue the purposes of God for your life through a healthy lens, through a healthy perspective, through a healthy idea. Now remember something, prophetic words, dreams, things God gives you are only a piece of the puzzle. Often, what we do is we take this dream, we take this idea, and we take this tiny puzzle piece. There's a bunch of puzzle pieces on the screen behind me. A puzzle piece should be, is there? Okay, good. Sorry, man. It's just a small picture of what God has for you. What we do is we take the puzzle and we zoom it up into our face and we make it all about this one puzzle piece. 
We say, oh, this is it. I'm going to, man, I'm going to lead worship across the world. I see it right here in this little puzzle piece. See, Joseph saw his brothers and sisters and his mom and his dad bowing down before him. Oh my gosh, look at all these people bowing down before him. He didn't see the puzzle piece where he was in prison. He didn't see the puzzle piece where he's in the pit. He didn't see the puzzle piece where he was accused of raping an older woman and he didn't do that. He didn't see the puzzle piece where his brothers threatened to kill him. He didn't see the puzzle piece where his dad gave him this coat and his brothers hated him for it. All these puzzle pieces that we don't see because we only see through a dark, dimly glass. We only prophesy in part. We only see in part. Don't make your whole life about one piece of what God has for you. Make it about knowing Jesus. Make it about having a relationship with the Lord. Make it about focusing on Him. In 1 Corinthians 13, 9, look what it says. Our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only a part of the whole picture. So it's important you understand something as we go on to our next one. In order for you to be able to fulfill the prophetic word that God has for your life, it has to be first about Jesus. Because what happens is, you need to hear what I'm saying today. If it's not about Jesus, you will be shipwrecked. If it's not about Him, if it's only about your joy, if it's only about your fulfillment, if it's only about your success, and I get it, I know it's easy to get wrapped up in that when you're only focusing on the one puzzle piece, when you're only focusing on the one thing, listen, I want to warn you, strongly pastorally, as a shepherd, encourage you to, to consider that if Jesus Christ is not the full, if you don't submit that dream to him and make it about honoring and serving him, you will reach the point of your fulfillment and realize that it wasn't all that it was cracked out to be. Because you're not ready for it or your focus was never right, and you'll get there. You'll build that big company. You'll build that business. You'll arrive with the nice suit and the nice office and look at your, your huge view and say, look, I've arrived. And moments later, you'll say, what's next? This never fulfilled me. I got out of the prison. Here I am standing next to Pharaoh, wearing the ring, wearing the coat. What's next? If you don't keep it about Jesus... You'll get there and you'll be sorely, sorely mistaken that that's what God wanted for you. Second thought. When you feel forgotten, this is that slide. That you used. Retest your word with God's word. When you feel forgotten, test the word again to strengthen your resolve that this truly is God. Now this is what happens. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 and 21, it says this. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. The word scoff there actually means to hold and treat as of no account, to utterly despise, to set in your mind as nothing, to treat with contempt. This is what happens when you and I receive a dream from God or a prophetic word from God for our life, or we begin to sense some purpose for, for our lives. We, what happens is if it doesn't happen on our timing, I've been here before, I start to look at that future your dream and I get a little bit upset about it. I begin to scoff at it. I actually begin to try to treat it as nothing because I'm frustrated and angry that that puzzle piece isn't coming to fruition. I'm upset about it. And so what I do is I scoff and I treat God's prophetic word for my life with contempt because I wanted it yesterday. I want it now. I want it the way I want it. And trust me, this is me. I put my prophetic word on the 
the tallest bookshelf I could put it on and a tight bottle and put a padlock on it and said, no way I'm not doing that. Why? Because I was so angry that everybody else was seeing it and everybody else was experiencing it. And here I am watching life go by. And that bottom line was, is that I wasn't submitting myself to God's word. I wanted God to do what he wanted for my life, but I didn't want to do it his way. I wanted to do it my way. And so you have to understand something that our tendency when the journey is long, when you're sitting in the prison, when you feel forgotten, is to say, God, you know, to be honest with you, I kind of just don't care. Or God, I just don't really want, I just want to live my life. This is something I did. I just said, you know what? I just want to see people saved. I don't really care about where God's calling me. I just want to do this and just, you know, I don't want to be work. I just want to just do, just be. I just want to be. And that's awesome. You need seasons of being. But the problem with being too long is that you just become bored and you stop growing and changing and transforming and moving forward and having something to look towards. The Bible says that those who, uh, who have no vision cast off restraint. The Bible literally says, if you don't have a vision for your life, you're literally running around naked. Like, you have no clothes on. You're just like, what am I doing? You're running around aimlessly. If you just be for too long, you'll become naked. <laughs> and you'll run around aimlessly. You need something to put your focus on, something to put your eyes on. That's why God gives you that prophetic word. To give you something to live your life for, to work towards that business, to work towards that being a mama, to be, being a, uh, married, working towards this objective, being a missionary on the mission field. That's my objective. That's where I'm going. But don't scoff at it when it doesn't happen the way you want it to happen. And so you need to begin to retest the word. That's the second thought here. He says, re, he says test the word of God. Test the prophetic word. It's easy to lose sight of, of what's God. If you've ever had a prophetic word before or a dream from God or a direction, I find that down the journey, I begin to see other things that I kind of like better. <laughs> or I begin to look at what I'm doing and think, well, it's too big, and so I'm going to minimize what, what, what God's called me to because that's just way too big, and so I'm just going to settle for this. And listen, you as a human begin to articulate your own personality and your own ideas around this dream, around this vision, around this prophetic word, and what you don't realize you're doing is that you're actually going off track with what God's called you to do, and so you actually have to bring back to the word of God, and you begin to test it, test it, test it with God's word, and when you say, oh my gosh, that is God. I can dream for that. I can believe for that. I can hope for that. That is in God's heart for my life. Yeah, I can have a future and a destiny. You begin to believe that God has actually called you to what he's called you to. But you got to test it. Look what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 14, 29. Let two or three people prophesy and let the others evaluate what it is said. If you come to me and say, Ryan, I got a dream or a vision or a prophetic word from God, I'm going to say, okay, let's test it. Look at this scripture in Deuteronomy 13. Suppose there are prophets among you or those who dream dreams about the future and they promise you signs or miracles and the predicted signs or miracles occur. If they then say, well, come, let us worship other gods, gods you have not known before, do not listen to them. The Lord your God is testing you to see if you truly love him with all your heart and soul. This identifies that you can receive an actual prophetic word from God. It comes to pass, but when our human nature gets involved, we can actually take that and go off course. 
And so you say, man, Ryan, is this possible? Yes, the scripture teaches us that if you're not careful, you can actually take your human reasoning and actually get off track. That's why we have to continually be testing the word of God, testing, 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 testing the prophetic word. And how do you test the prophetic word? Two or three witnesses. And you test the prophetic word with the written word. If it doesn't say it in the word of God, it's not truth. It's not life. It's not for you. If you read something and someone says, okay, now go do this, and it's not founded in God's word, then that's a bunch of baloney. You need to throw it out with all the other malarkey. Is that how that works, that word malarkey? <laughs> Charlie's like, no, not really. <laughs> Make sure that you test God's word. So when I feel like I'm forgotten, the first thing I got to do is, okay, if I'm feeling forgotten, I'm feeling disillusioned, I need to first come back and make sure that I submit myself to God, I submit it to the Lord, and make sure it's about Jesus. The second thing, okay, maybe I've gotten a little off track. Maybe I've gotten too focused on the puzzle piece, and I've made it about this, or I've made it about being big, or doing this, or doing that thing. Maybe I've made it all about something else. I need to bring it back to the Word and test it, so that when I test it, it'll be refined by God's Word, and I can truly wrap my hands around it and hold on to it. And when people say, Ryan, where are you going with your life? Listen, I've tested this by two or three witnesses. It's founded in God's Word. This is where I'm going. The third thing and last thing here this morning is this. When you feel forgotten, cling to God's word over you. Very simple stuff this morning, but this is very important. When you feel forgotten, cling to God's word for your life. Some, sometimes the only thing you have left in your life, you serve Jesus long enough. You stay on this journey. You're going to find yourself at a crossroads in your walk with God where you're going to say, I feel like throwing in the towel. I feel like giving up on God. I feel like this is harder than I thought it would be. I feel like I thought I was supposed to be blessed. I thought this. I thought that. You're going to come to a crossroad. We're going to say, I want to give up. I want to throw the talent. And the only thing you're going to have is the prophetic word that's been tested by the word, by tested by two or three witnesses, being tested by the word of God. You're going to say, no, no, I'm at this crossroad in my life. I can go this way and pursue what I really want to pursue, my own career, my own stuff, and do that. But man, God's called me to be a ministry and to, to be a pastor, God's calling me to be uh, start a real estate company, or God's calling me to do this over here. Man, I really feel like God's called me to do this. I don't know what, what should I do. You'll know. No, I know exactly what to do because the word of God's been tested by many witnesses, by the word of God. I've submitted it to Jesus. Now I'm going to start working this direction. I got to cling to the word of God because sometimes you won't want to do what God's asking you to do. You have to put yourself in a position where you say, you know what? I'm going to have resolve. I'm going to cling to the word of God and I'm going to push forward. Look what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, 18 to 20. Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. Now, if you say, Ryan, I still don't know what a prophetic word is. Again, a prophetic word is simply a puzzle piece, a snapshot, a thought, a dream. A prophetic word is when someone senses something from God for you and they give that thought to you or maybe God speaks to you and it's just a simple puzzle piece for your future. It's not the end all be all. It's just a part of the puzzle for your future. So look what Paul said to him. Based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier, may they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Hymenaeus and Alexander are two examples. I threw them out 
and handed them over to Satan so they might learn not to blaspheme God. Well, that's heavy. So Paul said three things. First thing, he said, cling to your faith. Now, how do you get faith? Anybody know? Ah, uh, by hearing what? By hearing the word of God. So that would mean this, by simple mathematical equation. In order for you to have strong faith, you've got to have the word of God. You want strong faith? Got to have the word of God. He says, cling to the word of God is what he's saying. Cling to God's word. Cling to it. Cling to it. Cling to it. Get it in your system. Get it in your spirit. Get it in your heart. Cling to it. And then he says this. Keep your conscience clear. Anyone know how to keep your conscience clear? By doing the word of God. Keep your conscience clear. The reason Paul said this was because there were people, Hymenaeus and the other guy, Alexander, I think his name was, who were... Uh, were shipwrecked their faith because they actually had prophetic words over their life. They were a part of the church and they chose to hear the word of God but not do the word of God and therefore they were shipwrecked in their faith and they actually never fulfilled the dream of God for their life because they didn't cling on to the word of God and keep their conscience clear by doing the word of God. Thirdly, what does Paul say? He says to wage war with your prophetic word. Look what he says. Again, 1 Timothy 1.18. He says this. May they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. When you're feeling down and you're feeling discouraged and you feel like there's nowhere else to go and nothing else to do and you feel like you're in a prison and you're forgotten, listen, these are the moments when you pull out that tested word of God, you pull out the word of God over your life, that puzzle piece, and you pick it up and you say, okay, I am going to start fighting some battles when the enemy tries to come and discourage me, when my, my family tries to talk me out of it, when, when I feel like I can't go any further and I'm not good enough for it and I'm too much of a sinner and I'm too much of a failure and I've made too many bad decisions, you take that puzzle piece, the prophetic word of God, and you stick it in the air, and you say, all right, devil, shut up. I got a prophetic word from God that's been tested by the word of God, that's been tested by two or three witnesses, and guess what? I'm going somewhere. No matter what you say, I am going somewhere. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, and look at this. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the what? The Word of God. Take the what? The sword of the Spirit. So he says, all right, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, so you can stand against every strategy of the devil. Paul then talks about it later in Hebrews chapter 4. It says this. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than any sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So this sword is called a gladius. And when the gladiators would fight with this sword, they would actually be trained. It was considered the most fearsome weapon in that day. It actually was considered to be the very weapon that conquered the nations. And in this sword, when they would wield this together, it was sharpened on both sides. It was short and it was limber. And, it was, and if you used it quickly and efficiently and well, it would destroy any enemy that you went up against. And God has given you this sword. You know that in Hebrews 4.12, the word 
that phrase, word of God, is actually interpreted in the Greek as the word, the, the, the thing that was spoken. He's given you a sword. He's given you an ability. He's given you a capacity. Ryan, we're not going to put this on the screen. But when Satan came to tempt, tempt Jesus, he came and tried to derail him from his purpose. Hey, you're, you're the son of God. Turn this bread or this stone into bread. And what did Jesus do? He says, well, it is written. How would he know what's written? He's read it. So the word of God, his faith was in his heart. He had the faith of God in his heart. He had the word of God in his heart. He studied the word. He memorized the word. He was found in church when he's 12 years old, standing up educating a bunch of philosophers and religious teachers with the word of God. Why? Because he had the word of God in his heart. And when the devil came and said, uh-uh, you know that puzzle piece I gave you? You know that dream and that passion I gave you to do those things? Guess what? It's not going to happen. You're too much of a sinner. You made too many mistakes. Blah, 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 blah. And you say, oh, wait a minute. It is written. Wait a minute, I'm about to do some battle. Look at the scripture. And well, this will be our last verse today. Second Samuel, the very last line. This is so cool. Look at this. This is the story of David's mighty men. And look how it defines one of David's mighty men. Look at this, 2 Samuel 23, 9 and 10. Next to him was Eleazar, son of, that actually is interpreted Dodo. <laughs> son of Dodo. The Aohite. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodo the Aoite, as one of the three mighty warriors who was with David. And when they taunted the Philistines, gathered it past him in for battle. Then the Israelites treat, retreated, but Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines, look at this, until his hand grew tired and froze to the sword, and the Lord brought about a great victory that day. Here is son of Dodo, <laughs> fighting the enemies with the double-edged sword until all the blood and the guts from battle covered his arm and the sword until you couldn't see the difference between his sword and his arm. It looked like it was a part of his arm. He became one with the word until people from a distance came back and said, dang, Dodo, you got, you got, you got, a, you got a sword for an arm, man. He's wielding it and killing people and defending it, defending the cause of the king and fighting with the sword of God, saying, no, you're not going to do this any longer. Fighting, fighting, fighting until finally his sword in the air. You couldn't tell a difference between the human and the word of God. When you're in a season where you feel forgotten, you're in a season where you feel like you've been in a prison and you don't deserve it. You feel like you've been on this journey and you're like, man, I just don't know what I've done wrong. Listen, you've done nothing wrong. You're right on track. Hear what I'm saying today. Prophetically to your heart, I speak a prophetic word to you. You're right on track. You haven't taken a, an off-ramp and you're kind of watching the freeway of life go by and all the people are just seeing success and you're just on the side of the road wondering what's going on. No, you're right in the place at the right time. God wanted him to be in the prison so that he could not only take his prophetic word to challenge his faith, but he could use the word of God to test his character so that he could learn, okay, listen, God, this is only about you. I need to test the prophetic dream that I've had. And Lord, once it's tested, I'm going to use it to fight the battle against the enemy when he tries to discourage me. The whole key to this entire thing is this. This has to be in your heart. You will not fulfill, I'm going to say this, it's going to be a strong statement, okay? 
you will not fulfill the dream of God for your life if the word of God is not in your heart. You won't be able to fight when it comes against challenges and tribulations in life. You won't know how to use this, this sword. When it, he comes to you, you say, the devil says, you can't do it. You're going to say, it is, uh, what was it again? It is, um, oh, no, no. You want to be able to say, oh, it's written. <laughs> Man does not live by bread alone. Oh, oh, wait, wait. I read this yesterday morning. It only took me two minutes. I read it. It was in my heart. Well, listen, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Yeah, there we go. It is written. Get it in your heart. 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 So when you feel forgotten, you say, wait a minute. I ain't forgotten. I'm found. I'm a child of God. I'm destined by the king. I'm a child of God. I'm a daughter of God. I'm a man of God. I will pastor a church. I will be a missionary. I will uh, start a great business. I will be a good mom. I will be married one day. I will. I will. Because God's word is true. And every word of the enemy is a lie. Well, would you stand on your feet this morning? We're going to worship. We're going to sing a cool song. I love this song. Come on, would you just do me a favor and close your eyes for a moment? Oh, Lord, we just love you. Father, we love you. And as we sing this last song together with the last just very few moments, God, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you come and you would encourage our hearts to know the Lord, you are with us. We're right on time. We're right on track. Come on, Jesus. Come on, let's worship together. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.